This is DJ. This is Ish. And this is Pero, Pero Let, Let Me, Me Tell, Tell You. you. Dale. We're recording now, by the way. Oh, man. <laughs> well, everyone, welcome to episode 25. 25. Coño. This is our special 25th anniversary special yeah. sort of thing. Let's go rent a car. No, let's go do the moonwalk. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, I was thinking because at 25, you can rent a car. You can't. Well, you can rent a car before 25. You just will pay like um, a, a surcharge. Okay, so let's go get insurance. Okay. 25 is when your insurance first time it goes down, no, right? No, it's after 30. Damn it, we can't do anything. Then. No, but we could still moonwalk. Okay, we're going to moonwalk. The moonwalk was, made its debut in the Motown, Motown 25. 20, Motown 25, which I believe was like in 82. It was a while ago. So yeah, welcome yeah. to Pero Let Me Tell You, episode 25. <laughs> Aquí estamos. We've survived 25 episodes. That's more than most um, primetime sitcoms nowadays. Right. So we, you could say we were not canceled <laughs> no. mid-season. Which would have been weird because we are the distributors of the content. So yes. essentially we would have canceled ourselves. And we only have one sponsor. And our sponsor, O Chocolat, is still with us. That's true. Well, that's not true. We've had a couple of people trickling in, you know, helping us out. We, that is true. You know, that is true, which we will inform our view, our listeners, listeners at yeah, yeah. a later time. But yeah. for those of you who have been with us since the first episode back in in January, we thank you for your support. As we always say, we're very humbled by it. And yeah. for those of you who are kind of joining us for the first time, joining us for the first time, or listening to our podcasts yeah. for the first time, welcome, welcome. bienvenido, bienvenido. Aquí todo el mundo es bienvenido. Yeah. Donde comen dos, comen cuatro. Bueno, in a Hispanic house, it would be like ten. <laughs> Pero anyway, so we have a full packed episode. Yes. We have a feature interview with Martha, the creator of my big fat Cuban Family blog. 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 Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, about yeah. to say my big fat Cuban wedding. Wrong. <laughs> wrong reference. Um, yeah. Also, I know it may seem that way, but we do also interview people who aren't named Marta. <laughs> It's our second know, Martha. It's our well, second Martha. Yeah. We're, I mean, a lot of our content is Hispanic based, so you're gonna right come, now. you're gonna come across Martha and Maria a few times. Okay, but we had two Marthas, no Marias. Mira, para que tu vea, para que vea. Yeah. We had Martha, the fabulous Martha of Miami, and, yes. and now, now the other the, the Martha of Los Angeles. Los Angeles. <laughs> so we had the East Coast Martha and the West Coast Martha. So we had like the Tupac and Biggie of Marthas. You could say that, okay. although they're not rivals. No, that's true. That's true. They're not rivals. But we have an interview with her coming up, and it's it's a really interesting interview because Martha is she's Cuban, you know, Cuban American, yeah, and um, she's been raised in the United States, but she's been in the West Coast. Yeah. So she kind of talk in in the LA area. She talks about the experience of you know the Cuban community or lack thereof of mm -hmm. the West Coast and the differences between being a you know Cuban in Florida versus a Cuban in um, Los Angeles in LA so it, it you know similar but different at the same time and yeah. it's a very interesting uh, interview because she also talks about um, you know Hispanic culture in general yeah. and you know from food to movies and things yeah, like that about so her, her blog her cookbook honestly at the end of that interview it just feels like a very warm hug it does. She's she's so warm. It's and I really beautiful. want to have her at Rocompollo. Seriously. You guys will get it after you hear the interview. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you will get that reference. So welcome to episode 25. Welcome Let's episode 25. go. So what's going on in the world this time? So que me dices that a couple of weeks ago, 
Forbes magazine, which is a very respectable, you know, publication. Okay. Put Kylie Jenner in its cover, on its cover, <sighs> claiming that she is going to be the youngest billionaire and most importantly, that she is self-made. So, obviously... Not even her lips are self-made. Let's just start with that. <laughs> anything having to do with the Kardashians is going to it's get a lot, of, uh, a lot of feedback and a lot of people giving their opinions. Us being one of them. Here we are on the <laughs> podcast talking about Kylie Jenner. So, what's your take on that? Bueno, let's start with the fact that I have issues with Ms. Jenner since a couple of years back when she tried to trademark the name Kylie. Mm-hmm. And, oh, 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 and my favorite God. Kylie, Ms. Minogue, had to step in. So, yeah, I'm not a fan of hers to begin with because of that. But I think, you know what? Okay, fine. She's making a gajillion dollars or whatever. The biggest issue I have is with with self-made. Right. She is not self-made at all. Also, bigger issue I have, and this is why I've said sometimes... Not always, but sometimes I kind of understand Middle Eastern terrorists. Um, there's an entire group out there who wants to start a GoFundMe page to help her get to the billion. Wait, wait, wait. Uh-huh. Repeat that? Okay. There's a GoFundMe page. So, okay. you know, GoFundMe, for those of listeners who don't know, GoFundMe is basically a crowdsourcing where you can donate money towards a cause. It's usually used for, for people. For, like, cancer and... Cancer survivors or people who are trying to start an independent film, you know, and you... you get something in exchange like you start an independent film you help me maybe you can have a walk-on role or things like that well there's a group out there that has started a gofundme page for people to donate to essentially help kylie jenner get to billionaire status quicker you just ruined my day you That's... just ruined you just ruined my day no no no, 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 no. because i'm about to go on a tangent here you just ruined my day you mean to tell me that there are people out there who are donating money their money their, their money, money so kylie jenner can fucking become richer than what she is this is what's wrong with the world. Instead of donating that money to anything, you know, anything, education, somebody who's sick, anything. anything, that is what they're doing. Yeah. You have messed up my day. You know, sometimes ignorance is bliss. Yeah, I, let me tell you something. Wait, so you all said that you were going to be this. Anybody that knows me, anybody that knows me knows I'm not a hater. I'm not right. a hater type. And again, it's not her fault. She I, didn't set I this up. Generally. I, I, even if I don't care for something, I won't go on a tangent. To each like, their own. I can't stand this. You know, right. to each their own. Right. The fascination with this family is something that generations from now, they're going to write books on. You know, on how an entire generation was completely indoctrinated by the Kardashians and Jenners. That is something I don't understand. And I think that the media has a lot to do with it. Oh, of course. Because to say that she is self-made, that is insulting. That is insulting. That's because, even insulting to the hyphen between self and made. Because you know what? I, I What a lot of people have been saying in defense of her okay. is that, oh, you know, there's a lot of kids that are privileged and are rich and they didn't do what she did. Okay, okay, great. Fair enough. Fair That's enough. Not, but, but. Well, maybe they didn't want to do anything. Maybe they wanted to live off their parents' trust fund. If that's what they want to do, right. and they were born into a privileged home, right. good for them. To say that... But she, self-made implies that she started with nothing. Right. Or, or a person started with nothing. So a self-made millionaire, you know, would be like um, maybe Jeff Bezos. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't have 
unlimited funds at his disposal. He didn't have a platform with which to promote himself. He didn't have all these advantages or privileges, which is a nice little buzzword we're using now, um, to, to get to a certain degree of fame and or additional uh, riches. So I, I, I feel like in this case, any, anything we're saying negatively isn't about Kylie Jenner per se. I think it's more about the, the use of the word self-made, which is completely inappropriately used this, in this moment, and people's fascination in this instance, like I said, with the GoFundMe page, to, like, what do you get out of it? Okay, so she becomes, so, Mira, so you, you donate you, to help her. What do you get you, out of you it? You know how that, you, you're not helping That, that whole something. thing with her cosmetics, with her lip kit, mm -hmm. okay, you know very well. I mean, she has a name. You know, whether we like it or not, she has a name. Right. And I get that she gets approached because I, I remember that before this whole makeup thing started, mm -hmm. she was selling hair extensions. Okay, I didn't know and that. that. Well, of course you didn't know about it because I didn't go anywhere, okay. right? So I'm sure that this cosmetics company, whoever makes the Kylie lip kit, mm -hmm. you know, came up to her and said, hey, we have a great idea for you. You know, let's let's build this with your name and you be the face of it. Perfect. Great. I'll show up. Yeah. Great. I'll show up. She's the face of it. She promotes it. Great. Good for her. But to say that she is self-made is insulting. You know who to is self-made? Self -made. You know, you know who's self-made? Oprah Winfrey is self-made. You sure. know, as you said, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, I mean, even Mark, Mark Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg. You yeah. know, these are people that came from nothing or came from middle humble, class humble homes or humble right. beginnings and, you know, changed the world. But to say that this girl... But even if you didn't change the world, you, they made something of themselves with with no or very limited outside help and or support. You know, and you can't... You, just, you can't. You can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know you know who they should put there? Have you heard of Pat McGrath? Pat Mc Wait, why does this sound familiar? Pat, because Pat McGrath, this has come into light in the last couple of weeks okay. in, in in reference to the whole Kylie makeup bullshit debacle. debacle. Um, she actually, she is a black woman mm -hmm. who she comes from a, you know, she comes from a middle class right. uh, Just a background. Common, and she person. made from scratch a cosmetics line. Really? And now that, um, that cosmetics line of hers is on race to um, raise almost a billion dollars in investments. What's the name of the cosmetics line? The cosmetics line, I can't remember now. now. Um, Can we look it up? I think it's McGrath Labs or something. Okay. And what's the hook of, uh, of her lab? The palettes. The palettes. So it's probably more for like a multicultural woman? Yeah. Yeah, the palettes. Okay. I forget the name of it, but I was reading, I was reading on it the other day and... I mean, for our listeners out there, look up Pat McGrath um, M -C -G makeup. Or ATH? Yeah, ma uh, makeup on Google, and you could find information on her. Okay. I mean, she created this company from the ground up. Like, I believe that she even created, like, like she started in her put garage together or whatever. The actual cosmetics, like right. the chemistry of it. Hmm. You know, kind of like um, Carol's daughter. Have you heard of that? That I've heard of, yes. C Carol's daughter started, and that's, I, I don't know if their assets are a billion dollars, but that company is definitely a multi-million dollar comp company. Hmm. And um, she's another black woman who started this whole cosmetics and self-care line from her kitchen. 
you know, she was getting like shea butter and mm-hmm. different, you know, um, like a home chemistry set, essentially. Exactly, and yeah. putting it together and making like you know um, scrubs and shampoo and things wow. like that. Those are the people that should be on Forbes, not freaking Kylie Jenner. And again, I'm not a hater. I'm not a hater, but I, I, I really, really have a problem with how the Kardashian Jenner clan are put as these entrepreneurs and as the face of success of America. And I mean, that's, to, that's be, to be clear, th- I mean, let, let's be very clear. Yes, the start to all of this was essentially Kim Kardashian putting her back into it. Literally. Repeatedly. And her mouth on it. Literally. Right. So, you know, <laughs> there, there's, a, there's something to be said for that. But that's... And again, they've taken opportunities that were given to them, as anybody would. I don't think there's Absolutely. anything wrong with saying that. I would have that. taken those opportunities, too. Absolutely. You know, if my sister made a, a, a tape blowing Ray J, I would have milked that cow, you know, as much as I could, too. I don't give them... <laughs> wrong choice of words, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying is I don't criticize them for building the empire that they did. I don't. I would have done the same thing. It's not their fault. My that problem we all is took this perception that they are these like entrepreneurs. Come on, esta otra Chloe. She has that gene line for oh, full women. It's called full-figured Real women. American for full figured women. Oh. It's called Full American, okay. True American, I think. The game no, that's from the New game Girl? from <laughs> from New Girl. From New Girl. <laughs> it's called something American. Okay. And, you know, she goes on there talking how she created these scenes. You didn't create those scenes, Khloe Kardashian. Some person came to you with that idea. Right. And you were probably like, oh, that's a great idea. Let's go with it. Right. And, you know, maybe I'm sure that she's had some input into it. And right, right. she's obviously the face of it. But they make it sound like these women are there like, oh, it's it's always been my dream to have a cosmetics line. And I'm going to fight tooth and nail to get <laughs> I mean, come on. You you know how it is, you know, when you know, when being rejected, having to come up with money, getting investors, getting a prototype, putting that all together, have people believe in you. Yeah. And you know, this this family has name recognition and countless of, you know, resources, resources and capital behind it. So yeah. so I mean, where's the where's the battle there? Where's the I just I don't get it. Especially I with the two youngest because of particularly the two youngest, by the time they came around, things were pretty much... The ball had been rolling. Yeah. So more so yeah, than no, the others. Ky- Kylie and Kendall grew up in the... In this world. Kardashian... Bubble, right. Bubble world. Right. I mean, they did. But I just... I don't get it. I think they are a horrible role model, especially to, to girls, because they, they kind of show that... You know, everything of them is visual. It's mm-hmm. how I look and how I'm dressed and my hair and my lips. I mean, that girl, by the age she was 18, she had had plastic surgery. She had done completely redone her face. And it, again, if, if that you makes want, you happy, if that makes, makes you happy, up. and if you want to get plastic surgery, you know what? And you're not happy with the way you look, you should do everything in your power to change it. But they're creating this false narrative and this false. Um, image of what a woman or a young girl should be and what she should aspire to and i think that that's a terrible example especially to young women terrible but it's all about looks and you know and 
who's hot and the way they look and please. Oh, Entonces what? sale la madre. You know, when she was like 16, 17 <laughs> with, well, with this guy that was like, was like 25, yeah, 26. Yeah. Oh my God, Kylie. I'm so proud of her. I'm so proud of Kylie. She works so freaking hard. I'm like, really, Chris Jenner? You know, if my mother or most mother's daughter <laughs> right. was going out with a 25-year-old, she would have smacked that girl across the face and be like, you're not going out with somebody who's eight years older than you. You're underage, right. you know? But no, no. Oh my God, I'm so proud of her. Let's talk about something else because you're pissing me off. Well, I didn't mean to piss you off. You brought up the topic. Oh, my God. I can't believe the GoFundMe page. I'm not over that. I'm sorry. I'm not over that. I'm not over that. There's so many charitable things that that money can be given to. So many people in need. You know, it... In in this country, in Africa, illnesses, you know, education... Climate change. Oh, climate, whatever. Just, like, pick whatever. But you are donating money to... I mean, like... You've ruined my day. Thank you. Thank you for ruining my day. No, you ruined your day because you brought up the topic. Yeah, I, just, I brought up the topic, I, but I didn't know about the GoFundMe page. Oh, I'm not supposed to know what you know or don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> I hope everybody's enjoying this discussion on Happy their Friday. home. Happy Friday, everyone. <laughs> Pero let me tell you, episode 25. Estamos en candela. <laughs> no, este está enfogado. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I yeah, see yeah, like yeah. flames literally just leaping off of his head as I'm watching him. I, because I can't t stand that type of foolishness. Anyway, let's talk something about Trump because I mean, what? Oh, what because you, because you you're gonna use Trump to calm yourself down. You know you're right. Because <laughs> that usually works so well. In the no, past. but you know what? Unfortunately, there's some type of comedy. <laughs> it's like a Keystone Cops type of situation. Talking or speaking about Trump. I mean, to our listeners, you know, we usually um, record these um, episodes, uh, you know, a few days or maybe five, six days before yeah. they air. So who knows when this airs on Friday? That's true. That's true. <laughs> who knows where we could be? Vladimir Putin is like in like a member of Congress. <laughs> like, oh. Well, then I guess we'll all be drinking vodka by then for various reasons. That's the silver lining of it. I've got to find something. <laughs> Did you hear that the... Um, Chairman of Papa John's. Papa John stepped down. Yeah, yeah. He um he had some choice words for his agency. You know what I just don't understand about using that word, especially is if you're white. So many people have gotten in big trouble for using that word, even within in whatever no, I'm context. Saying, even within uninflammatory context. Right. In whatever content. Right. Okay. Why on earth would you cho choose? To use that word. So for those who don't know, Papa John, the founder of Papa John, John, what's John's last name? Because they always say Papa John's, but in, in most, and even in most press releases, they say the founder of Papa John's, they don't say his name. He was in a, um, I think he was in some type of it was a, It was actually a conference call, and I'm actually looking for the, uh, the, the article now, because it was a conference call with his, I don't know if it was, it was with... One of his agencies, I think I think they're a PR agency or a digital agency, laundry service. Um, I've actually applied to work with them in the past, so that's why I know of them. And he was on a conference call. I don't rem I don't remember. I'm literally looking up the, the article right now. The point is that he but said he used the N word. He, he said the N word, and after and not that, in the context of like we shouldn't say the N word. N -word. <laughs> he used the N word, and obviously from that. The information leaked out, a lot of backlash. Yeah, he's lost um, both of his agencies. So laundry service, 
Um, I think that was his PR agency. Now, IPG Media Brands, which is his media agency, they own Initiative, they have resigned Papa John's business as well. So one of the interesting things about it is he said that, I guess Papa John, he said that one of the reasons that he resigned and that this came to light is because laundry service was extorting him like with this information. Like, oh, if you don't do this, we're going to take it to the press. And he said, no, I'm not going to... I don't know if it was a matter of fees or, or whatever the case may be. And they actually came out and said, no, there was no extortion. We were just putting it out there because that's a horrible thing to do and we have integrity. I mean, as vile as that word is, if you're white, the, especially if you're white. Laundry services, they're a creative agency. My okay. apologies. You should not be saying that word. And again, I, I mean, I'm not going to go into a whole preach about how you should not be saying the word. I, I, I think John Schnatter. Schnatter, that's, Schnatter. that's his... Papa John's last name. I'm not going to do a whole spiel on how you should not be using that word, especially if you're white. But the point being is that you should know better. That is a word that has gotten a lot of people in trouble. Yeah, you're not the first person to use it. Right. right. And as you said, sometimes people have said it either negligently or recklessly, and they haven't necessarily, you know, meant... Or in they an educational context They didn't or think whatever. they were, you know, they didn't set out to offend someone, right. but nonetheless they did. And they and, still get in trouble. And they still get in trouble. It's like, why would you, on earth, should would you say that word, especially in like a public thing, like a forum, like a conference call, or a conference, yeah. like, why on earth would you say that? It's not cool and and i just find that people keep like making the same mistake over and over again it's like what the hell is wrong with you people like <laughs> maybe it's one of those things where it's like maybe if i say it enough it'll stop being wrong and it'll just kind of course correct itself <laughs> I, I don't know with that said i did have papa john's pizza yesterday and you know what racist pizza still pretty yummy <laughs> just gonna put it out there i mean you know, it wasn't too salty which you would have thought racist pizza might be <laughs> salty but it wasn't, no. So, Dimic, I mean, so I was actually going to say, do you think we should post to Instagram those little question things? How do you feel about those, actually? Because I think it'd be kind of fun, but I don't know. For Instagram, know. for our podcast? Yes, 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 yes. I yes, don't yes. mind. Okay. Okay, so obviously we're talking about Instagram. The stories, whole... questions? Yeah, I don't know but what you know called. what the thing I feel about Instagram is that in Instagram, when something becomes popular, like the popularity lasts for like four or five days, and then it's like gone. Yeah. So again, because yeah, yeah. We're, a little behind the we're curve recording like yeah. four or five days before this airs. Hello, everybody. It's Friday. You know? Maybe by Friday, by Friday it would be totally gone. Like nobody I mean, will care. Questions from our listeners are always welcome. I mean, I we yeah. we've been talking about listeners sending feedback since the very beginning of yeah that and, we started and, the podcast. So I think that for us it it was it's an extension. Yeah, it's an extension. It's an extension. It's Actually, more immediate. If you anything. know what I wanted to do for my personal Instagram? Okay, I wanted to like create a question that said. <laughs> Do you are you going to post questions and me answer the question? <laughs> no, because I hate doing what everybody else does. <laughs> I questioned I'm, and answered. I'm only hesitant to post questions because I've seen what some other people who've said like, oh, send me questions, and, da, da, da. and I'm not talking about like celebrities. I'm talking just like regular folk, mm -hmm. quote unquote. Um, and it just winds up just devolving into very base questions, like you know, like 
what does your ass look like? You know, who, who, how about well, you, you sex partner? You don't, you don't have, have to answer it, but that. I'm just saying it's just like people go for that common denominator, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I will say, though, my favorite questions, Insta questions thing was um, with this guy, Juan Pablo de Pache, mm-hmm. Fernando from Fuller House. <laughs> he had just finished his George Michael concert, mm-hmm. and he, I guess he couldn't sleep or he was wired or whatever, and he literally just started answering them, but he did like little video answers. Mm-hmm. And he was just so charming. Mm-hmm. And he answered them in English and Spanish and just, I don't know, it was my favorite one. And it sucks because Insta stories only last about 24 hours. Right. So you can't go back and revisit it. But I saw all of them and I was like, oh, especially because he says he wants to do a duet with Marta Sanchez. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> with Marta Sanchez, dime la verdad desesperada, yes, yes. Oh, my God, that would be awesome. It would be. For anybody who doesn't know who he is. Well, I just said he's Fernando on Fuller House. Right. You should totally watch. I'm not kidding. Season three, I think it's episode seven, where he does Living the Vida Loca. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For that, no reason. Essentially, they, I mean. Kind of for no reason. They're kind of doing like a, a like a karaoke battle. Right, 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 right. But it's hilarious. It is hilarious. And I got to, you know what? Now that we're talking about him, let's kind of give him a shout out. Absolutely. Because he's super talented. He's a singer, show, a dancer. He was in Mamma Mia. And the he movie. was Jesus. He was Jesus. He was Jesus. <laughs> We can end right there. I mean, once you've played Jesus, once you've played Jesus, I mean, the only thing left is Fernando on Fuller House. (laughs) Kimmy Gibbler's husband. Kimmy Gibbler's husband. Kimmy Gibbler's husband is the only thing left after playing Jesus. That's the natural progression. Progression of your role. But I remember that when he first came on Fuller House in like the first season, he was like, I would even say, not even a secondary character. Throwaway character. He was a plot device. Yeah, like because back, it was Kimmy's ex-husband at the time, right. so it was a plot device. And if you notice, like in the first season of Fuller House, he came out only like a handful of times in the first half of the season, right. and now he's a series regular. Yeah, yeah. But I, I consider him the breakout Absolutely. star of the show. Absolutely, he's, he's... freaking a riot. <laughs> I love when he's like Kimberlina. You people don't know um, what is it? She knows things. She knows the story of the Kama Sutra. <laughs> Kimmy Gibbler. And then they're like, are Kimmy Gibbler? <laughs> Whatever, you have to watch that. Season he's, three, he's episode great. seven. He's Living great. the Vida Loca. So, yeah. anyway, bueno. All right, so with is that it time said, for our interview? It's time for our interview. So stay tuned, listeners, because here comes our interview with Marta. I don't remember her last name now. It um, doesn't matter. It's Marta from L.A. Marta from L.A. with um, my big fat Cuban family. And if you don't feel like having arroz con pollo afterwards, you're just dead inside. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, enjoy, and we'll be back. All right. Hey, bonjour, mes amis. Et tu fatigué ces brownies de au chocolat? C'est le brownies de ces chocolats, c'est authentic. What are you talking about? Chico, I'm talking about the delicious French brownies from au chocolat. Oh, au chocolat. Of course I know au chocolat. Au chocolat brownies are these delicious, authentic, homemade French brownies made with real Parisian chocolate. Au chocolat actually brings their chocolate every month from France. It's and... imported. How sexy. <laughs> and as a result, you get these delicious, rich brownies that come in a beautiful box. You love a decorative brownie. And, you know, what's great about these brownies, not only are they delicious, but you can give them as gifts. You know, they can be yeah, And they're seasonal, flavors. too. I know that they have some seasonal flavors as well. They have seasonal flavors. The boxes are also seasonal, so they make great gifts Absolutely. for Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, Christmas. Divorce um, parties. Thanksgiving. Hey, if you call them, I'm sure they can make it happen. And where can they call them at to place they these orders? They can call them, well, they can contact them at 
Miami on Instagram or ochocolat.com. And you know what's the best part about this whole offer, right? What is the best part? If they use promo code Pero, P-E-R-O, they get 10% off their order, even if they're being shipped. So you're Wichita, Kansas, you could get some homemade French brownies. And you know how much the Wichita, Kansas people love French brownies. (laughs) They love them their French brownies. They love them some French brownies. (laughs) So go on their Instagram page, their webpage, give them some love. They're our first sponsor. We love them. Yes, we do. They make a great product, delicious brownies, and order and use our promo code. That's right. Use the promo code P-E-R-O again. That'll give you 10% off. Au revoir. Au revoir, mon ami. Hi, listeners. Welcome back. Bienvenidos. Bienvenidos. So, as mentioned, we are here with Marta Darby from the blog My Big Fat Cuban Family. Uh, Welcome, Marta. Thank you for joining us. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being on Pero Let Me Tell You. We're super happy. We are. That's, you know, it's a Cuban thing. We're always super everything. (laughs) (laughs) So, Martha, my big fat Cuban family. First of all, great, great name. For so many reasons, I feel it's like a triple entendre, right? It's a bit of a play on my big fat uh, Greek wedding a little bit. But it's also, you know, the fact that, you know, us Cubans, we're not slender people. Um, and we have so much yummy food. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Okay. Um, again, my name is Marta, and I live in Southern California. It's very important, guys. She, Cubans are all over the place, as we've she, mentioned many West times Coast on our show. Cuban. She's West Coast, yeah. Yes. So I live in Southern California, and uh, I started blogging about 12 years ago, wow. and I was just writing about my life. And actually, I started writing about it because – let me explain. I was homeschooling my kids at the time. Uh, they're now grown. They're like people now, but um, <laughs> they were still they were still unformed then. And I was uh, I would be homeschooling them, but then we'd have like picadillo for dinner, and we'd be in the car like going somewhere, and I'd, I'd have we're on our way to Disneyland, and I have Celia Cruz playing in the car. So I, love I thought, combo, you know, by the way, yeah, <laughs> I wonder if. You know, there are others like me that are so far from, you know, El Exilio and uh, in Miami, I was talking about, because I, I, we lived in Miami until, gosh, uh, very early 60s, 64, we moved to California. So yeah, Briefly, right, because you came to the U.S. from Cuba in 61, if I remember reading correctly. Yes, that's correct. So we lived in Miami for a few years, and I think, you know, everybody, like all Cubans are like, it's mandatory. I think it's a federal mandate, isn't it? That you have to live in Miami for a few years. Then they let you out to the rest of the world. Anyway, so... It's a very extended stay at Ellis Island is what it is. <laughs> so my my family moved to California, and I grew up here. And now, um, if you... Because you don't really know, or maybe you do, uh, Californians... Uh, there's a lot of Mexican people in California who are awesome, and... You know, but they, the, any, if I spoke Spanish, they said, oh, but you don't look Mexican. Because Cuba, no one really knew where it was on this oh, coast. Sure, yeah. Yeah, especially so, back then. Yeah, it, it was just another island in the Caribbean. They probably had no idea. Like, <laughs> Ricky Ricardo was from there. That's all they knew. Exactly. <laughs> Ricky Ricardo was the only one. This is before Gloria. You know? <laughs> right. That's true. That's true. Um, anyway, so uh, fast forward to 12 years ago, I started writing about 
uh, life on the hyphen. I'm, I'm 100% Cuban, but I'm 100% American. So, uh, and my mom, who's still living at the time, she lived to be 103. She passed last year, wow. but she God, was God still very, I know, it was awesome. She's, she's a formidable character. I wrote about her a lot on my blog, but she was in our home every weekend. So the kids had to learn how to, you know, defenderse. And, you know, I read my mind with that word, by the way. Right? <laughs> and, and I say it in English and it, it, it never translates. They had to defend themselves with their grandmother. No, that doesn't work. So. It was like the Hunger Games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I started writing about how much like fun we were having and how, yeah, I'm Cuban, but I'm also American, very American. So, um, and people, it, it resonated with a lot of people. There were people who like, oh, I live in Washington State, en el exilio del exilio, you know, like, uh, were, yeah. So, and then, okay, that was thing one. And then thing two was, uh, you know, there's no place to get pastelitos de guayaba here in my world. So I thought I probably could make some with, you know, and I started playing around with different recipes and I thought, I bet puff pastry and guava paste would work anyway. It did. And that put me on the map. So uh, here I am now and everybody's So what we'll put you on the map is un patelito de guayaba. I swear to you. <laughs> that That is amazing. That's actually beautiful because of our, our we end every episode asking people to, to grab a, a croqueta, a pastelito, and, and a jupina. So That's kind of become our kind of like a little catchphrase. A catchphrase. So that goes perfectly with what, you, what we do. Yeah. But actually, you said something that's very relevant because, you know, our, our podcast name is... We, we our listeners know and you know it's pero let me tell you and it's it's very much true to form in terms of being uh, where we are we're cuban american we are kind of the best of if you want to say of two different worlds two different cultures and and i find that a lot of times people have a really even here in Miami, a really big problem being one of the one or the other, or being both. How how did how has your experience, especially in the West Coast, been? Would you say different from those of here in Miami on the East Coast? Okay, that's a great question. I'll tell you what I um, love telling people. That's, well, that's one of the first things you're going to know about me, besides that I have naturally curly hair, like like the girl in the Peanuts comic strip. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that I'm Cuban because that really informs everything about me and it, it informs like um, how how my family entertains uh, you know how our doors always open to people that were very hospitable uh, so I have uh, in on the west coast there is no preconceived notion to um, what Cubans look like act like you know like I said usually they thought well like you don't look Mexican, you know? Right. So, you know, then, then of course, I felt it. I took it upon myself to uh, make sure that everyone was educated. This is what, this is where Cuba is. This is what's happened. You know, my, our, my family didn't come here willingly. We thought the whole thing was going to blow over. Yeah, it was, this was, this, you're still temporarily here, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. So... There is still a, a lot of education that I had to do. And, of course, um, I don't know if you know this, but there are, I would say, pockets of Cubanity. That's my word. <laughs> because, Which you know, we're stealing, Cuban by the way. Thank you. Knock yourself out. Yeah, pockets okay. of Cubanity. <laughs> Cubanity, <like> yeah. 
So, Sounds yeah, like a so delicious the... empanada, by the way. <laughs> oh my god, gonzo finito. Yeah, okay. So, uh, anyway, but I, I, so but I am aware of that because I do know some. I mean, both of us actually know Cubans out in the LA area. But it's you know, it's it's so funny you say that because I don't think of it, but it's true. You know, we always say Cubans are everywhere, but we are communities, right? Yes, and um, the, obviously, uh, I grew up um, in Culver City, which is um, just for, that's where Sony Pictures is. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so I grew up there, and there was a Cuban community, you know, or it really a community. So I went, when I was in, like, junior high, all of my best friends were Cubans, recently arrived, you know. This was uh, probably, like, uh, late sixties now. Um, so it was wonderful. They, you know, the, the, the American kids embraced us and they always liked to come over to our house to eat the galitas. Do you know what I'm talking about? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you have galitas? Yeah. So, oh my God, that's great. Uh, you know, and then you, it was always uh, hard for me, I realized, because I, I came to the States in 61, I was uh, five years old, and it was always hard for me to describe our food, because, you know, I had never had a taco until I was about 12. So, well, what do Cubans eat? And I, you know, I didn't have the words for like, well, we eat delicious food, what? <laughs> <laughs> Everything that you're saying, um, I could attest to as well. I went to school up in the Midwest and, you know, I've said the story many times to our listeners and I constantly, I mean, and you said it perfectly, I, I found myself giving people history and geography lessons. Yeah. And, and, you know, it gets to a point where it's quite uncomfortable because you know, you want to make a distinction that you're not Mexican, but then at the same time, you don't want to be offensive. You know, we love Mexicans. We love Mexico. You know, we, we love everybody, you know, but you, you, it becomes a point that you kind of have to be defensive. And it's like, this is not anything against, you know, anybody else, but this is not who we are. And sometimes it's frustrating because it's like people, a lot of people really just have no clue. They they have no clue. They think that everything under the United States is all one big thing. And, and there's such nuances to each culture. Exactly. And, and, you know, again, like you said, I'm not in an offensive way. I just, let me explain that we are different, you know, but, uh, we came here under different circumstances and, uh, and then again, trying to explain our food, you know, uh, okay. Picadillo, go. You know? Um, and if you describe picadillo, it doesn't really sound appetizing. No, Because it's no. ground beef, kind of moist. It's a soupy type of thing, and it's got an olive or a raisin in it sometimes. Right. Yes, exactly. Together to give it the sweet and salty. But, you know, you say they use a word like hash. Like, shut up. Leave me alone. That's not hash. <laughs> it's delicious. <laughs> anyway, I, I do spend a lot of time... Um, you know, trying to educate. Do you so feel I, that in the West Coast, at least, that's gotten better? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. So, uh, because, God bless the Porto family. <laughs> actually, I was, I we were about to mention yeah. Porto, Porto's Bakery. I actually okay. know somebody who works here with me that um, her family is part, oh, they're the owners of, of the Porto's uh, Bakery. And, um, yeah, I've, I, I haven't visited them, but I hear great things and see very delicious things online about them. Okay, so they're like in the in the food industry out here. They are the Ricky Ricardos. 
You know, they're the ones like, oh, Cuban food, Portos. So uh, the thing was, they only had uh, two locations, which were in Burbank and Glendale, which mm-hmm. I'm going to give you some geography. California is long, and we measure uh, distance by drive time right. <laughs> because there's, you know, so it's about two hours away to get, you know, Papa your pasta. Well. so there and there's a very there were very few cuban restaurants so again when i started blogging i thought boy we eat really well but i cheat okay oh my gosh how many people listen to this podcast (laughs) everyone (laughs) confessing um so i make lechon in a crock pot and what you You can't see it but i'm clutching the pearls that's, okay. that's a big one. Okay. I know. I Can know. you explain that to us? Because the thought of having lechon in anything but a pit con hoja de plátano or okay. a cajachina is like, cajachina, my mind right? is blue. That's just, that's just hard to come by out here, you know, and at the, on, the, on, our, on this coast. On so, <laughs> don't, don't cry, okay? But, um, so, I just... Uh, I, you know, I grabbed some really fat pork chops and, and I thought, I bet I can inject them with, you know, some some mojo. And, you know, I started to make stuff up and I threw it in a crock pot with onions and garlic. And, oh, my gosh, nobody could tell the difference. Shut up right now. We didn't have the, uh, the chicharrón, you know, the skin. Okay. Oh, that's true. With pejito, yeah. That's right. Well, you know, fine, you know, not perfect, but <laughs> so I started uh, doing that kind of stuff. I started making, you know, recipes in a crock pot. I would cheat. Like my pastelitos are a, a bar of, of guava paste, a, a box of, of frozen uh, pastry dough, and, you know, bada bing, bada boom. And the, <laughs> you say you cheap, know. but that's pretty much all the ingredients are. I mean, at the end of the day, and it'll do in a pinch, you know, necessity is the mother of all invention, right? I'm not starting from scratch. You know what I'm saying? I'm raising a family. I'm cooking. But, but I, I was like, I felt like I discovered fire, to be honest. Like, at what point did you, did you say to yourself, you know what, I could turn this into, into a cookbook? Because I know you do have a cookbook, and I, I believe the name of it is My Big Fat uh, Cuban Family as well. Cookbook. Yeah. Cook, a family a cookbook. Name, right? uh, yeah, I, I started um, collecting recipes. And then um, there's a blog in Miami. It's a political blog, Babalu blog. And I started cooking for them. They said, hey, would you mind writing a, a cooking thing? Like, yeah, you know, don't get me involved in politics, but. I'll be happy to cook for you. So I started cooking online and, um, you know, then lots of people found me there and I took the recipes that I had been posting and I, um, I threw them into a little cookbook and, you know, with all my cheating ways, you know, (laughs) actually, now that you said politics without getting too political, one of the things that I enjoyed the most uh, when I read uh, the about me section of your blog is that you consider yourself a Reagan conservative because that is one of the most Cuban terms that somebody can make a Reagan conservative because Reagan to Cubans is like second only to Pope John Paul. Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, I just crossed myself when you said his name. <laughs> Reagan or Pope John Paul? Which, which yeah, one? Both. 
el papa yeah oh you know it's serious business being uh you know if you're cuban and you love ronald reagan you're a reagan conservative i think that's like, yeah, yeah, that's that's but anyway uh, yeah that's uh that's that's all about me i think so i i put together this cookbook and you know people liked it although they could find my recipes online they were happy to have it in book form to have it in the kitchen this is before everybody had tablets and that sort of thing so um yeah, you know what's nice? The nicest thing about all of that is that my daughters and my sons read my cookbook too. And they they very recently started reading my blog. Of course, they were younger because I was homeschooling them. But now that they're like people, um, they, yeah. <laughs> now that mom's cool. Yeah. They're, they're, they're teenagers, parents aren't cool, right? So they don't want to know right. any of that. Well, now that you spoke about your children, um, you know, Something that's always very interesting and and good good to see within Hispanic or immigrant uh, society societies and families yeah. is the first and second generations in terms of you know their identification. How do your kids who were born here identify? Okay, they all say that they are Cuban Americans. Wow! I think my, my mom, um, God bless her, Kimbalikansi. She would say, she would. I think she indoctrinated them a little bit. Okay, that's part of our DNA too, isn't it? Uh, oh, it sure is. She would be like, you know, in the the original Cuban Constitution, if you were born here in the U.S. to a Cuban parent, you would still be considered Cuban. So know. they they kind of. Okay, so they consider themselves Cuban-American. My, my youngest son is an actor, and that's on his resume right at the top, you know, Cuban. Although um, he speaks more Spanglish, Spanglish, Spanglish. So he would but, have uh, our podcast is what I'm hearing. Okay. <laughs> it's you all know, Spanglish. That I hadn't found you guys before, um, but I'm, I promise to be a loyal listener from now on. Good, thank you. <laughs> so uh, anyway, yeah, so my... My kids are, you know, my oldest daughter, you know, she just says she's Cuban. She just skips the American part. She's the blonde hair, blue eyed one. So, right. <laughs> yeah, I'm Cuban. And she speaks Spanish, obviously, fluently. My older kids do. Uh, so. And have what? they have they received, you know, especially since they were born here, have they received the same feedback or same commentary that you did when you first came here, or when you first moved to California, like the what? Wait, you're blonde and blue-eyed and, and Cuban? How can that be? Uh, uh, you know that whole "you don't look Cuban" thing, right? Um, yeah, that, I think that happens more on our coast than it does there in Miami. Because one of the things that I think is just like delicious about going to Miami is walking in any, somewhere and everyone just automatically assumes you're Cuban and they just speak Spanish to you. Right. I can't tell you what yeah. it like. That's a party. Well, here in here in Miami now, well, for, for a long time, it was predominantly Cuban. Obviously, oh. now it's a lot more mixed. There's people from all over the place, yeah, but Venezuela, Colombia, there, there's a big Venezuelan Argentina. influence now because obviously of what's going on in Venezuela. Uh, that right. the Venezuelan community is becoming larger and larger and larger yeah. in in South Florida. So it's it's very interesting. I mean, it certainly is a melting pot here of. Of different Hispanic Hispanic nationalities and culture. That's Um, awesome. So going back to the question, uh, my kids, there's still people who do not know what it means, what Cubans are, you know, or what Cuban food is. 
However, we have parties every weekend. I oh, know, shut up. Uh, <laughs> we entertain every weekend. We have um, movie nights. We have a big, giant outdoor movie screen, and we invite the neighborhood and all the kids and their friends. And, you know, a lot of times I run up to Portos and get <laughs> papa rellena, croquetas, and, you know, they they sing our praises very loudly at that point. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I don't know that... Uh, my kids had the same uh, reaction that I did. And, and, of course, they're quick to school their friends, too. It's like, no. Um, my daughter, my younger daughter, got married in December. And uh, Porto, uh, Porto's Bakery uh, did the, all of the catering from appetizers through the cake. And, and we ran out of food. When does that happen? We get more food than anybody needs ever oh in God, their Yes. <laughs> what is it? Mejor que sobra que falte. Yes. So we're always overprepared. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say that on my on my uh, tombstone when I die. Mejor que sobre que falte. No. It's true. Never. Four people are coming over to dinner. We cook for 12. Yeah. <laughs> right? See? Everybody gets a plate. I love it. Get me. Okay. So, you know, we always have an abundance of food. Uh, and so, anyway, I'm, I feel like we're doing our part to awesome. educate the west coast that cubans are fabulous do you remember this this was a license plate years ago in miami from la fabulosa there's cubans are fabulous yeah oh yes yes and then there's there was a shirt that i actually have used to have the shirt years ago that i said not only am i perfect i'm cuban too oh my gosh (laughs) but you but you know what though in in this day and age i mean i know we're obviously talking just the main subject matter here is in terms of being Cuban and the Cuban experience or the Cuban American experience. But in this day and age where immigration has become such an issue and, and, and where we are now as a country, it's so important for people to know everybody's story, whether you're Cuban or Mexican or from, you know, Venezuela or whatever country in Latin America. And it's important that people understand why we're here and why we come here and what we contribute because we all contribute something and yes. it's it's only by sharing like you do with your neighbors and your community you know whether it's the food and the culture that people really understand because now those people go on and tell other people yeah exactly so uh you know what's lovely about i have a, a very lively facebook page you know obviously it's called my big fat cuban family <laughs> but, uh, a cuban american blog um i that Cuban, they're from everywhere. But, you know, uh, this is what I love and hate about our community <laughs> is Cubans are so opinionated. They know everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just, I like, you know, jump in like saying like, well, because I'm never wrong. <laughs> that's not Standard Cuban response. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Cubans like they're, they're terrible and wonderful. And, uh, I've gotten nothing but love, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. Nothing but love out here. So yeah, I, I think that the whole Cuban American shtick, you know, again, whether you're Mexican American, Venezuelan American, but in our case, Cuban American, I think we're kind of a group on its own because, as we always say, I mean, we didn't coin the term, but we're two Cuban for the Americans and two Americans yes. for the oh, Cubans. Right. And oh my God. 
and we're kind of stuck somewhere in the middle because our experience is very different. You know, we come from, yes, a Cuban family and Cuban heritage, but we were raised on, you know, Michael Jackson and the Beatles yeah. and stuff like that. So it's it, a very uh, different experience. It is. And, uh, you know, uh, now also being on the West Coast, I didn't have a quinceañera. <gasps> I know. Wait, I'm uh, like, wait, what? You're breathing? You're breathing? <laughs> Someone you revived him. Yeah, no, my, my mom gave me a, a beautiful uh, gold chain that was hers. And, you know, felicidades, Marta, you know, arreglas, kind of a thing. We didn't, uh, <laughs> we didn't celebrate, you know, the Kingsis that way. Right. I'm just, you know. But I think it's interesting that you say that, though, because on your site, and I thought this was adorable, quite honestly. I know there's a section there that talks about, like, holidays and things like that. And you've got, like... Thanksgiving, Halloween, or, you know, what have you. But then it literally says Cuban Christmas. Like, you make it a point to say, (laughs) I'm not trying to do no Norman Rockwell, you know, turkey mashed potatoes thing here. No, no, no. This is going to be... Lechon asado a las diez de la noche. Because it took too long. You know, um, el del vie. You know, like, no, no, no. Let it be clear. We're We're not playing right now. No, we are absolutely all about the Cuban Christmas, and you understand what that means, right? You know, there's, there, you know, well, I love turkey, and I really do, um, but no, we're gonna have the lechon, and we, okay, so on Christmas we have to order it from some like a, a una pierna, you know, the leg okay. of the pork. Yeah. And then, you know, we do do the 12 hour cook, you know, in the oven and the slow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just but we're we don't you know, it's Cuban Christmas. It's not we celebrate the 24th, you know, which is lovely because now I celebrate, you know, December 25th with my kids and, you know, my my husband's family. And, you know, that that frees up a lot of time. <laughs> I have to say, though, that um to me, one of the biggest, biggest differences, and it's it's something very small, but it goes a long way, that I found between the Cuban community. I don't know if it's true of all Hispanics, but definitely of Cubans, is yeah. compared to like, you know, Anglo or white, is how late we eat. And, and the, I mean, I again, I remember when I was in the Midwest, you know, my friends who were, you know, white uh, would yeah. be like, yeah, we're, we're having Thanksgiving dinner at like two or two, two o'clock uh, or, or we're going to have this like at three. And I'm like, two at two. We just put in the turkey. <laughs> yeah, I, I never got that. Never, ever. You know, even when we were. I mean, we do eat a traditional Thanksgiving because, you know, that's a fully American holiday, yes. obviously. Yes, us too, us as well. But, you know, we don't eat like, until 7.30 or 8. We are. Because, you know, that everybody's here. we got to talk to all the people. we got to do the thing. You know, come on. Who eats at 2? That's lunch. Yeah. And that's, you know, chito, una croqueta. Exactly. La merienda. It's like you're, you're, you're eating at 2. What do you mean you're eating at 2? Like, who what the heck it? eats at 2? And that, that was always like a constant thing for me when I, I lived in the Midwest. My friends yeah. at, at 3 o'clock would be talking about, like, where we, we were going to go have dinner at, you know, in a couple of hours. And I'm like, what? I just had lunch. Yeah. Come on. What's up with that? That's not right. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's I. I have. I still like 
you know, I really like to have my family sitting around a table and the sobremesa, you know, the, the after dinner, you don't just jump up from the table and do no. dishes, you know, and if, if your company in my house, you're not doing dishes, you know, well, it's, it's there's a difference. yeah, right. La visita. There's a different, um, I don't know, uh, just a sensibility to, to the way that we entertain. Yeah. And another thing we, we do very differently is say goodbye. The Cuban goodbyes like last about, hours, you know, two hours <laughs> yeah. saying goodbye at the, at the door. <laughs> Yeah, my husband mocks me mercilessly. He's and he was like, "Well, when do you think the actual goodbye?" It's like, "Don't, please, don't, don't mess with my mojo." <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is what I do best. No, it's, you know? I mean, so many little nuances and little, you know, oddities to other people. But it's just, it's the norm. It's like breathing. Okay, so my husband has what he calls the twin rule. So he knows. That if we then walk our company to the door or even out to their car, that it's going to be 20 minutes by the time they actually leave when I'm through, like, the hugging and we hug. And then, oh, the kissing. Oh, my gosh. That, uh, can I just talk about that right now? Oh, absolutely. Please. <laughs> okay. So that was one thing that people just didn't get. You know how you're Cuban mm-hmm. and you meet somebody, you kiss them. For the you first know? time. You don't know. Yeah. You've never seen them before in your you life, kiss them. but you kiss them. Right, that's right. Mucho gusto. Kiss on the cheek. You know, mucho gusto. You know, you've never, you may never see them ever again, but you're going to kiss them on the cheek. And, you know, so I know that that was shocking to a lot of people. And my husband was like, is that hygienic? You know, (laughs) I don't know, but it's our way. It's our way. The way of my people. I I had a culture shock with that when I was up in, in New York, just in a professional setting. Because even here at work in the offices, you you know everybody's Hispanic. You meet each other. Oh hey hi, Mwah. you know you give each other a kiss on the cheek. And I would constantly have to like, no, don't go in. That's how you get reported to HR. Don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah especially now you just can't do that. So, no, I but I still do that with my guests, and they're you know it's like uh, I can kind of see them like leaning into it that like they like it, you know. Well, that's they like. Month. You know, we're yeah. gonna go in for it. They're gonna go in for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. like lean in. I was like, is she gonna give me my kiss today? Yeah. So uh, it's the full Cuban experience. And uh, before we wrap up, Mata, I just want to yeah. ask you one last question. Obviously, you do recipes. You've written a cookbook. You have a blog. Yeah. What would you say is your favorite Cuban dish? That if somebody okay. you know was gonna put like the quintessential Cuban. P- plate on the table what would yeah. it have to be okay so okay i'm gonna tell you but it's got a caveat it's i arroz con pollo okay goes without, but mine <laughs> okay <laughs> we like that yeah, we like but that. do you, you do cantina like, like can we have I, it delivered if that's you know yeah so if i go into a cuban restaurant i'm not ordering arroz con pollo because mine is always so much better but it's my favorite, favorite thing ever in, you know, the history of ever. Okay. This, so, you know, this means that whenever we go to the West Coast, next time we go to yes. L.A., we're visiting you, right? Yep. Oh, my gosh. You know, mi casa es tu casa. Of course. <laughs> yeah. So, we're absolutely I, 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 you know, me doy lija con mi You know what I'm saying? I sandpaper myself with the arroz con pollo. That should be a t-shirt. Now, now I want to sandpaper myself. I sandpaper myself with arroz con pollo. Wow, anyway, this, this yeah, has been so, great. 
But yeah. again, thank, thank you, you so much. No, thank you for your time. And, and listeners, again, that is my big fat Cuban family. It's a blog. It's on Facebook. It's on Instagram. It's, I mean, I think. Even if you're not Cuban, you would totally enjoy it. Yeah. You know, um, there's a ton of little caveats in there and the recipes, recipes, the recipes and the insane. pictures. And I mean, there's something for everyone. Obviously, if you're Cuban, you're going to have a certain perspective on it. That's going to be really neat. But it, there, everybody will enjoy it. So we can't. Ultimately, our, it's about Listeners. Yes, it's about family. So I can't stress it enough for our listeners to uh, check it out. That's fantastic. Oh, the Cubanity. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys again so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank Likewise, you, Martha. Martha. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back, guys. Now, don't you want to eat arroz con pollo? I feel like I want to live in arroz con pollo after that interview. Yeah, let's have arroz con pollo. And I know a lot of listeners, especially East Coast listeners, don't know about Porto's Bakery. But you should definitely check out yes. Porto's Bakery yeah. on um, online and on Instagram. Yep. Because now you're going to want arroz con pollo, Martha's arroz con pollo and something and from she, Porto's Bakery. Since we can't all go to her house and no. have her make it for us. No. You, know, you can go to Porto's at least and get something there. Anyway, oh, bueno. on that note, let's thing, go to our last that is of the not desert. being cut is our last soda of the desert. Oh, no, no. That's not being cut. At so, all. At all. Who do we have today? Well, I, for my last soda of the desert, I, I didn't know we were, you were going to bring up Kylie. And it kind of ties into something that you said, which is they're not necessarily good role models for, for, for girls um, because, you know, they don't really demonstrate any type of aspiration to something other than famous for the sake of fame. So my last soda actually goes to an actress who's been dead for a couple of years now. Um, but basically through a Netflix a documentary that's on Netflix called Bombshell, I learned the story of the actress Hedy Lamar. Mm-hmm. And do you know who Hedy Lamar is? I mean, she was in, uh, she played Delilah in one of the old Samson and Delilah mm-hmm. Swords and Sandals movies. She was in a lot of old movies and she's a very big recognized star in, I would say, 40s, 50s, 60s, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so it goes through her entire story. But most telling is that she actually was very intelligent, mm-hmm. so much so that she, during World War II, filed she a was patent. The inventor. She filed the patent yeah. for what I, has essentially today become the basis for how we utilize Wi-Fi. But she never got the credit for it. Was, I mean, watch the documentary; it's actually very fantastic. I actually but, know who she is. When I, I didn't, I forgot her name, but mm-hmm. I knew about the patent and the whole invention part of it but go ahead yeah and she came up with several patents and several inventions and she was always thinking and so one of the things that I took away from the documentary was obviously you know she was a phenomenal I mean she was a bombshell that's mm-hmm. kind of where the title comes from but you know she, here she was a beautiful woman an actor she was talented but nobody could get past her looks mm-hmm. despite the fact that she was intelligent she, she had to fight she, she had to fight, and she never got that. And she never it. got that recognition during her lifetime. And it's only now, after her death, I don't remember when she died exactly, but after her death, we are now seeing the intelligence, you know, the brains behind the beauty, mm-hmm. as it were. Um, and so, my last soda goes to first and foremost the filmmakers of the documentary mm-hmm. Bombshell for bringing, for bringing it to light, to it. but also to her because I don't think she got enough recognition during her lifetime. And if our little dog and pony show can help bring some additional recognition, then dag nabbit, I'm gonna do it. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome because you're talking about somebody who obviously was intelligent and and she was self-made. Right. And but you know what? <laughs> she could have just sat there with her success as a movie star yeah. and not done anything. Been okay with it, yeah. And the fact that she did do this on yeah. her own. And she she actually was a big part of the war effort during World War II as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was it was interesting they talk about her her struggles with being Jewish but then not really following it up and what have you but she was a huge support supporter 
of our efforts during World War II. Like mm-hmm. she would go to USO meetings and things like that. And that's really why the patent for, for it was basically a kind of bounce signal, radio signals, so that mm-hmm. they so that the Axis powers couldn't trace the submarines. And it came really Look it was that. it was Honestly. born from that desire to to do something to help the war effort. And, you know, her and another guy whose name I can't remember came up with that and they filed the patent, but it was never it's I don't, there's controversy about whether it was but the point is that she tried to do something tried to do something and she was intelligent about it and she always had ideas and things like that but nobody could see past her her beauty right well you know what that's a very deserving last coke of the desert and she probably had a body shaped like a coke bottle too so it's you know kind of comes full circle hey lamar good for you yes we posthumously give you a soda (laughs) when you said that she was a bombshell you know what i think of every time i hear that word now bombshell no oh my god i think of I watch Alan. Okay. I think of the sh- the oh, das little bombshell. skit she did with Sofia Vergara. Das Bombshell. <laughs> You've seen it. Yes. Das Bombshell. Sorry. My last Coke of the Desert is a sour Coke. Oh, no. Is it is it a, a non-gassy Coke like last time? No. This one is like a sour Coke. This is like a Coke gone bad. Oh. Because hey, yeah, generally... Hey, hey, yeah. <laughs> like a Coke gone wild. Like a Coke gone Wild. Wild. <laughs> You could kind of say they went wild. But um, <clears throat> this is not a celebratory Coke. Oh, no. This is a critical Coke, last Coke of the Desert. Because, I mean, you and I have kind of stuck to giving the Coke of the Desert we try. to good things. Yes. But every now and then we call out people for the wrong reasons. Right. And my last Coke of the Desert, <clears throat> ojalá que de gas, goes to Janine Pirro. Oh, okay. She's. Uh, I'm so. I'm so. Janine Pirro is who the she talking is. head on Fox News. That is a judge. She's a judge. Okay. She she was a judge. Okay. And you know she kind of thinks herself as God because oh. she's a judge. I realize. Is it because you know, of Ariana Grande's new single? <laughs> I'm as a woman. I've had a dealing or two with judges. Okay. So I know some jo- judges think they are God in their courtroom. Yeah. But this woman sits. You know, is on fact Fox News, which she, is she's a talking head by no, millions. She's not. So she's a talking right. head. So last week she was on The View. Okay. And if you've listened to this show, you know that I am a fan of The View. A little bit. And whatever you may think about The View, I don't really care. I love The View. <laughs> I love the panel. Don't and be I rude. get No, I don't because you know some people are some people are very critical of that show and I'm right. like, "Wow, can you imagine a show about intelligent women having discourse? <laughs> How offensive is that, you know?" Well, you know, ever since those broads got the right to vote. <laughs> anyway, so last week she was there uh, to promote her sh- her book called um, uh, Leaks, Liars, and Liberals. Leaks, Liars, and Liberals. Okay. Right. Um, so it's not supposed to be offensive. Judge, judge Janine is clearly a fan of alliterations. <laughs> clearly. So her and Whoopi Goldberg had it out. Mm-hmm. Now, she accused... Whoopi Goldberg of having Trump derangement syndrome. Okay. Now, something I could tell you from watching The View every single day. Is that like chronic fatigue syndrome? <laughs> no, no, no. No, it's not. Because okay. um, I'm I, chronically fatigued about listening about politics. No, can you imagine how Dorothy <laughs> would have felt? Oh, rest in peace, B. Arthur. Anyway, um, so she was on The View and her and Whoopi Goldberg had it out. Right. And Whoopi Goldberg does not like Trump. She's not. It's no secret about it. In fact, she doesn't call him President Trump. She calls him the new guy. Okay. Okay? But if there is one thing that is Whoopi Goldberg is that she's very rational. And generally, she does not get in very heated topics on the show. Mm -hmm. She'll kind of make peace with it, but she kind of doesn't. 
she doesn't really set fire to to. She kind of agrees to disagree and moves on. And moves on. Okay. She is a moderator, sure, right? Sure. So these two got into a fight. You know, obviously it's online. Yeah. You could see it. Uh, she, Whoopi Goldberg got really upset that Janine Pirro said that she had Trump derangement syndrome, mm -hmm. and she pointed at her. And you know, from there it went downhill. Right. And you know, Whoopi was like. You know, I, I'm tired of a president that starts off uh, a conversation by saying Mexicans are killing yes, killers, yes. rapists, mm -hmm. and you know, drug lords. And you know, I have a really big problem with a president that says that you know, rouse people up to go and you know, be violent towards mm -hmm. each other. So you can agree to disagree with who you think is right mm -hmm. in that argument. Right. And then Janine Pirro was defending herself, saying, "I've done a lot of work for victims," and blah 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 blah. Apparently, the fight went continued backstage, and uh, Whoopi Goldberg kind of told her to get the fuck out of the studio. <laughs> this no. happened off stage, off screen, off screen, and mm -hmm. the show wasn't running. My problem with her is that then Janine Pirro goes on Hannity. Mm -hmm. on Fox News and start saying how she was bullied and how she was assaulted and how she was she was attacked and it's like let me tell you something Janine Pirro I may not like a single thing you stand for but if there's one thing that you can do very effectively is defend yourself and you're if a you're total a judge, loud mouth you you're should, a loud mouth yeah. so you know what yeah Whoopi Goldberg told you off but you told her right back off so this narrative of you being this victim and this you know poor submissive docile woman you that know, got attacked by big bad Whoopi Goldberg that's the bullshit that she puts out 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 there mm -hmm. and then people who hear her are people are not gonna people that listen to her are not gonna go and watch the video clip right right but people that, that listen are gonna listen to what she's saying not watch the videotape and think of oh you know big old mean liberal Whoopi Goldberg picked on you because you know you're a woman of morals and you're from Fox News and you know you're mm -hmm. conservative blah 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 can blah, I just blah. say that I am inherently sick and tired on both sides of people playing the victim mm -hmm. we've gotten to a point right now where it's just like no 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 you don't get to go and say something to someone and then when they clap back at you mm -hmm. again regardless of what side of the aisle I'll or whatever you're on and then when the person claps back at you, you get to go like, oh, but you're being so mean to me. It's like, no, espérate. Te están diciendo tres cosas. Yes. But, so they're supposed to just be docile? Yeah. And generally speaking, especially nowadays, any attempt on either side to have a civilized conversation, inevitably, for some reason, 90% of the time devolves into just a giant shouting match between two people. And so, you know what? No. It takes two to tango. Right. And to merengue with Mama I, I, <laughs> I agree with you. But listen, there's a lot of people that go on The View that are conservative and they have very good discourse with... Ana Navarro. And, 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 Ana Navarro's a Republican. Uh, and Megan McCain. Megan McCain is a Republican and, you know, and they have very good discourse discussions with and sometimes they disagree and they go back and forth you're not and gonna they bicker, agree 100% of the but, times but you know what you but and I don't agree 100% of the times but these are people that are rational you know what I mean these are people that are rational you know what I'm gonna no I'm gonna correct you it's not about being rational or irrational there are certain people specifically in this media saturated world who understand that if I play the victim if I'm loud if I create a scandal you know tremendo cho right that's gonna get me more press well I've, got a, I've got a book to sell People don't read, but they I need did. to get publicity. Right. So let me just go off the rails. Right. You know what I mean? And and I think there's a lot of people out there who understand that narrative and play that role. <laughs> what I think was great that was that the next day Whoopi 
came on and said, look, I want to tell you guys about what happened yesterday. Mm -hmm. And I'm not hysterical. And I'm not, you know, I don't have Trump derangement syndrome. Mm -hmm. And I don't appreciate being told I'm hysterical. And if you heard that I told her to get the F out of the studio. Yeah, I did tell her that. <laughs> oh, well, I did tell her that. It. But she also told, told us, you know, when... Right, where the cameras were off. There. You know, she also told us something that I can't repeat on stage, and she told everybody off, including security and the staff. And she used words that I can't use here. So you know, she's only reporting on half of the truth. But right, but that goes to what you said. Yeah. You know, whether you agree with what Janine Pirro was saying or not, or whether you agree with Whoopi was saying, the point was right. If you if you gave it if you dished it out, you you have to take it as well. Right. But then don't be like, oh, I'm the victim. She right. bullied me because she was telling everybody. That word there. means nothing to she, me nowadays. She, you by know, the way. on the view, it's it's five people talking on a table and then one person. Right. So there's a lot of times that there's overlap. So when they would ask her a question, like before this blowout, when they were asking a question, like when Megan McCain asked her mm -hmm. a question or Sunny Hostin or even Sarah, you know, and she would. Start giving these long right. answers that really didn't answer what they asked her. Right. You know, when somebody tried to say something, she'd be like, "Excuse me, you're interrupting me. Let me finish what right. you asked." It's only an hour show, Janine. Right. So, but little things like that then portrays to the audience that follows you that you're being bullied and you're being interrupted. Right. So it's very, it's it's very, it's very much a strategy. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So whatever. The heck with her. So, anyway. Oh, my, my, my. This was a full-packed episode. It was. Man, we got a lot to say. Yeah. <laughs> we had a lot to say and we were passionate about it, but I feel the Martha interview kind of, like, calmed things down. It's a nice little lull. You know, it's like, Calm okay, come here. Down. Come in for the hug. Yes. And then we're going to send you out into the bad, bad world. <laughs> Anyways, as always, we hope you grabbed your croqueta, your pastelito, and your jupina. Yes. And you listened, laughed, and learned. And I always want to say thank you for listening to Wake Up San Francisco. Wake <laughs> up dinner to tie in with Fuller House. But we hope you enjoyed our episode. We yeah. enjoyed having you know. We really appreciate appreciate we you all you listening. We did enjoy having you. We may we not have we, we may not see you, but we enjoy having we you as our listeners. There. So anyway, everybody, thank you so much, and we hope you have a great day. Yep. Talk Bye. to you later, kids. Bye. This is it. Somewhere that you